Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. So I hope you've had a great week, whether you've been at the open just down the road here, watching hole-in-ones and beverages being thrown on the, the 16, or uh, you're planning for a Super Bowl party this week, or you've had you know, family events or different things going on. We're glad uh, that you're here. Um, and so, like Brent was just talking about, we get to, to worship together, and we're just, we're just better together. Um, if you don't know, my name is Wes, associate pastor here at North. I didn't get to share with you this morning. We're just, I was just reminded this week that when we're with other people, as messy as uh, relationships can be and as difficult as some people might be, I mean, I'm not difficult, but some people uh, can be difficult. Uh, it's just important for us to be refined by the tough things and by the, the good things. And as we were just uh, worshiping, I, I blame the uh, the worship team this morning, because sometimes when I'm going to preach, I, I try not to sing, uh, just kind of worship in my own heart, because I get hoarse by the end of the day, speaking both services, but I just couldn't resist today, just because uh, it was just awesome to be together and worship, and uh, I was reminded this week just how much we need other people. Friday, I sent my sermon to my wife, and I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about teaching on, and I'm pretty sure she just grabbed a big red marker and was like, nope, not this, or you didn't answer this question, or whatever the, the, the case was. Uh, but, you know, not really. She just had asked some great questions about uh, the passage and different things that I said, and it, it really uh, refined what I was going to say in, in some ways. And so uh, if it's not very good this morning, you can send her an email. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't want to fight with her. Uh, and, uh, you know, this week we had our, our staff retreat, North Bible uh, staff retreat, Tuesday and Wednesday, and just coming together as individuals as well as a team and prayerfully considering who we've been, who we are now, and who we are going forward. There's just something about that process of coming together. And then, you know, uh, my buddy Ralph Wogamont over here. Hi, Ralph. Good to see you. Um, that guy is, is more than double my age. You know, bless you, oh, Ralph. Love you. Love you. But uh, he comes to Bible studies on Thursdays, and then a lot of times we go to breakfast afterwards. And, and he has actually helped me. He's shown me the secret to a long life. Bacon for breakfast. <laughs> this guy is, is on it every week. Bacon for breakfast. So thank you, Ralph. Thank you for making us all better uh, for, for that. And then my son Bryson uh, had a basketball game this week, and they got on the bus as a team, and on the bus back to the school. Uh, there was an argument and a fist fight between a couple guys on the team. My son was not involved with it, but was, you know, saw it, experienced it, saw that it happened, all the drama around it and people choosing sides and all sorts of things like that. But even through a fight like that, the process of bringing the team back and to be unified, even when there's conflict, can be a beautiful thing. And actually, they can be stronger because of it. We need each other. Even if we fight, uh, even if we eat bacon, uh, even if we have different perspectives, uh, God uses the tough things and he uses the blessings to refine us. And that's part of the reason why we come together here on Sundays. Brent was just talking about it, but this, what happens here on Sunday morning is like no other time of our week. We can worship God. We can open up his word. Uh, we can talk to other people. We can pray. We can be with a, you know, a spouse or a family member or a friend. 
But there's something distinct about this gathering that we get to experience together on Sunday morning. And I hope you see that or encouraged by that as we come together. We're better together as we worship. So today we're looking at Revelation 15. And one way to break down uh, the book of Revelation is to say that it's uh, seven sevens. Okay, so of course we've talked about the number seven. Seven represents wholeness, completeness, or perfection. And then to have seven sevens is perfection upon perfection, completion upon completion, and fullness upon fullness. And John, he's on the island of Patmos uh, because of his faith, and he has this vision that he sees and he hears from God, and he's asked to write it down. And these seven sevens, or he sees and he hears seven letters to the seven churches, chapters one through three. There are seven seals that are unsealed and revealed, chapters four through seven. Then there's seven trumpet blasts symbolizing the strength and the power of God and his kingdom, chapters 8 through 11. And then the seventh trumpet kind of acts like the next seven as there's seven histories or events that we've seen over the last few weeks with the dragon, the woman, the beasts, and such that, we've, that we uh, finished up last week. It's kind of a continuation of that seventh trumpet blast, chapters 12 through 14. And then the seven bowl judgments that we softly begin today and part of a transition today into that bowl judgments that we will see next week, chapters 15 through 16. And then there are seven judgments of the world or of Babylon that we will see chapters 17 through 19. And we will finish ultimately with the seven triumphs, chapters 20 through 22. The seven sevens of Revelation. Now our goal with Revelation and any biblical text or any spiritual discussion is to discover what the message is behind the message. What is God trying to say to each of us? And taking into account uh, the word, like the words that were written, uh, who it was said, who it was written to, the original hearers, and then what we are supposed to understand about it and that according to our best interpretation of God's word. Now, biblical interpretation takes humility uh, we're not going to get everything perfectly all the time, but we have trust in a God who is perfect and he intercedes on our behalf. So the major takeaway from Revelation is that Jesus is the main character of the book and of God's story. Everything hinges on him, his birth, his life, his death, his teaching, his ascension, his relationship to his Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit that he gives us that we will do even greater things because he's returned to his father in heaven and then the relationships that he had with man. Jesus is our focus. So with that in mind, I'm gonna pray and then we'll look in our passage this morning. Uh, God, uh, thank you that you've brought each of us here. Uh, hopefully uh, for the folks who call on your name already that they're doing that in their heart and their mind right now as we open up your word, ready to receive whatever you have. For the folks who are, are here in the room that um, have not yet placed their faith in you, don't yet call on your name, that you would just whisper in their heart, in their mind this morning, remind them, or to even communicate to them that you love them, you're here for them, and that you are, uh, you are salvation, and that we would get to live with you for eternity. So speak to each of us right now in your name. Amen. So, as we read our passage today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're actually going to read all eight verses. We're going to read it three times, okay? 
And we're gonna, we're gonna put into practice um, a, a spiritual discipline or a, a prayer discipline called Lexio Divina. And it's a form of Lexio Divina. And essentially, uh, what this is, as we read it three different times, uh, it's a practice of reading God's word and then allowing God's word to read us back. That's the idea behind Lexio Divina. So I'm gonna read it the first time, and then I just want you to listen to the words. Just let the words wash over you. Just listen to uh, all eight verses as I read it this first time. Uh, Revelation 15. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked and I saw in heaven the temple, that is, the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, and they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Uh, the word of the Lord. So I'm going to read it again. And as I read it this second time, I want you to ask yourself a question. I want you to ask yourself, what is the word or phrase that jumps out to you this morning? For whatever reason, you don't need to figure out why. You're just asking yourself, is there a word or a phrase that jumps out to me and just speaks to my heart, my mind, my spirit, something that is above the other uh, parts of the passage. So I'm gonna read it a second time, and you're looking for a word or a phrase. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast, and its image, and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God, and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and I saw in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, and they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke uh, from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. 
Now hopefully, uh, you had a word or a phrase that jumped out to you. If that didn't happen, that's fine, that's okay. But if you did, as we read it this third and final time, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why was that the word or phrase that jumped out to me? And am I to respond in some way to that word or to that phrase? What is your practical response to the word or phrase that jumped out to you? One last time. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked and I saw in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, and they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now, I'm hoping that some of you had a word or phrase that jumped out, and I'm hoping that there was a response in your heart, in your mind, maybe uh, something that you thought about, maybe something that the Lord, the Spirit laid on your heart and mind, and this is something you can do with any biblical passage. But I encourage you, if that was something that jumped out to you and there was a response, tell someone else about it. Let them into your world and and allow you to be a part of the process with you. But some examples of what you may have experienced, if something that jumped out to you, maybe the seven angels and God's power and his protection was what came to your mind. And the takeaway for you is it reminded you that you can give over to him everything that is in your life. You know that God's power is working for you, that he is looking out for you. Maybe the word victorious stuck out to you and encouraged you to take that step of faith that you haven't taken yet. Or maybe the word victorious was an encouragement that that thing that you've been praying for for such a long time that God will come through because he is our victory. Maybe the word worship for you stuck out and it encouraged you to be worshipful and to give glory to God. Maybe the word plagues and language like justice and judgment called out a fear or a shame within you. And maybe you need to pay attention to that fear or shame and do something different. Maybe that fear and shame should be recognized as a lie from the evil one and you need to see it as such. Maybe the phrase dressed in clean linen reminded you that you need to do laundry when you get home. I guess the Lord can work in mysterious ways. Revelation 15, do your laundry. I think it's important to ask ourselves when we read scriptures, passage, like what, what is the message for me individually today? But we should also be asking what is the message, God's message to everyone within the passage? 
So what are the messages here in Revelation for everyone? We're going to break down some of those verses here in a moment. But this passage just feels like setting the stage for something else bigger that's about to happen. They're standing next to the, the sea there. Judgments have happened. Victories have happened. And yet, the heavens open and there's something bigger coming. It's, it's, it's kind of like a calm before the storm. Verse 1 says, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues last because with them God's wrath is completed. Now this imagery tells us that God's wrath against evil will come, and it will come swiftly. But it, that it's not forever. The word completion is used at the end of verse 1. God will overthrow evil. But once he does, it's over. And it's completed. And his kingdom is complete and just. Verse 2 says, A sea of glass glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. This is an image that conjures up kind of like a post-war victory gathering. I like to think of it kind of like one of the battle scenes in Lord of the Rings. And you put the picture up here if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. You know, the, the sun kind of acts as that, the, the sea that, of glass that's glowing like, like fire. And you have these people gathered together. They have already experienced victories and battles from the past, and yet they're lining up for this next big final battle. They're victorious or celebratory, and at the same time, they know that something is coming next. Now, you have these beings who are standing there, uh, victory, celebration, and then what happens? Halfway through verse 3 in this passage, they worship. Worship happens. Immediately, they worship. We're going to consider what it means to worship in a little bit, but the specific references in, in this worship is to the song of Moses that's found in Exodus 15. And also uh, to the song of the Lamb, which we've seen throughout the book of Revelation, when certain things happen, God reveals certain things, worship is their response. Worship is Jesus as the slain lamb, the root of David, and the lion of Judah. They immediately worship. And in a verse and a half, when they worship God, they call him great, marvelous, almighty, Lord, just, true, king, glorified, holy, and righteous. In a verse and a half. I mean, I would love to be called just one of those words. I mean, I'd love to be called great. That would be amazing. I would love to be called marvelous. That would be amazing. But in a verse and a half, God is worshipped and called great, marvelous, almighty, Lord, just, true, king, glorified, holy, and righteous. And he could be called so much more. And that's the God we get to follow. And then John's gaze goes towards the heavens, and he sees it open, the temple open, the tabernacle of God, where seven angels with seven plagues, and they're shining full of splendor. And one angel gets seven bowls of judgment, and just then it fills with smoke, and God is carrying out his wrath against evil. 
It's quite a scene. This image of the temple filling with smoke as God's presence is there is similar to many other places in Scripture. When God shows up, his presence is there, light and smoke and lightning and thunder, and this sense of infinite power and infinite love just overwhelms people around. Imagine for a second that we're here right now and God the Father walks in or flies in or floats in, whatever he would do. Imagine that God the Father showed up right here, right now. What would be your response? The God, God of the universe who created the cosmos, who knows how many hairs you have on your head, not many over here, knows each of us individually as well as every human that has ever lived and with all the power and majesty, how would you respond if God the Father showed up right here, right now? Would you fall to your knees? Would you hide your eyes or your face? Would you sing and dance? Would you cry? Would you be amazed? Would you ask for his autograph? I mean, I've got a couple of old baseball cards with some autographs on there. That's pretty cool, but to have God's autograph be legit. What kind of font do you think God would use? Definitely not papyrus. Sorry, that was a bad question. <clears throat> what would you do? God the Father shows up right here, right now. The truth is, we have the presence of God the Father with us at every moment. Jesus reminds us to worship his Father in heaven. Jesus even submitted himself to his Father. Sinless, perfect, miraculous, and holy Jesus submitted himself to the Father. How much more should we? And I know you're thinking, it's just like Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe wanted to be like Mike. As great as Kobe was on the court, he modeled his entire gameplay after Michael Jordan. Everyone would be like, Mike, just like, okay, that's a terrible example. Jesus, God, Kobe, Michael, okay, I'm sorry. Everyone wants to be like Mike. Jesus, as great as he was and is, submits himself to his Father in heaven. How much more are we? And that's who we get to worship. Now, you, you may be aware that worship takes on an infinite amount of forms. We are to worship God in everything that we do. It does take the form of singing. It takes the form of singing in this passage today. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I believe this passage communicates many things to us, but I want to focus in on two this morning. And the first is this. God's judgment is real. God's judgment will be swift and it will be final. That means evil will be defeated. Who doesn't love a good Marvel movie when the evil people get destroyed, right? Who doesn't love when an evil dictator gets taken off of their place of power? God's judgment is real. That also means that the people who do not call on the name of the Lord will receive justice. Now only Jesus saves and only God knows our true hearts. No one will be able to avoid the justice from God. Judgments 
for all people, for all their sin, and judgment for salvation for those who call on the name of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we are the light of the world. As followers of Jesus, part of our calling is to share the love of Jesus with others, with the world, with our friends, our family, our coworkers, our enemies, our neighbors, those who are like us and those who are not like us. So put yourself in this scene. You have this sea that's glowing like fire right next to the sea or the Followers of Jesus, they've just been in battle, they've just had victory, but yet they know this final thing is coming. The heavens open up. And in that moment, as followers of Jesus, people who call on the name of the Lord are able to, with peace, accept the victory. At the same time, knowing the judgment is coming. Justice will be done. And that they would be encouraged, we would be encouraged to consider who needs to know the love of Jesus. Who comes to your mind? Who needs to know the love of Jesus? Pray for them. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Be gracious with them. Share about Jesus and what he has done for you as an individual as well as what he has done for the world. God's judgment is coming. And we are to share the love of Jesus. The second focus is this. We are called to worship God. What has been your experience with worshiping God? When you think of the phrase worshiping God, what comes to your mind? Now worship is acknowledging who God is. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-just, all-holy, Perfect, righteous. Acknowledging who God is and then submitting ourselves and giving him the glory. That's what worship is. So when great things come your way is your immediate response to worship. When problems arise is your immediate response to worship. When you're seeking answers and anxiety is high is your immediate response to worship. When you've accomplished something great, you've had success, or you had a hard conversation that went surprisingly well, is your immediate response to worship. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, is your immediate response to worship. I was praying the last 24 hours or so about this exact moment in the sermon. I, was, there just, I just knew that there needed to be something else said. I was asking God, what, you know, what am I supposed to say right now? And he kept bringing to my mind three words. Worship is contagious. I just kept hearing that over and over and over again. Even as I woke up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., worship is contagious. When you're around someone, when you're around people who authentically submit themselves to God in worship, when the things that they do, things that they say, or even maybe singing in church. When you're, you're around that, it's contagious. When you're around someone who is a new follower of Jesus and they're excited and they're, or there's life change that hap- that's happening in your life, that is contagious. And we get to do that together. We get to worship together. The immediate response to this victory, even though this 
thing is coming, the heavens open up, their response is worship. So as we consider this passage, let's consider the fact that judgment is coming and that part of our role is to share the love of Jesus and at the same time called to worship the God in heaven. I remember when I was 16 years old, God had been giving me some different victory over some sin that was going on in my life. And I was super thankful you know, for that. I had a couple friends of mine, buddies that I would have never expected uh, begin a, a relationship with Jesus. And that was just infectious and we were excited. And we had some guys gathering from our church and we gathered up and it was like a men's breakfast or something like that. I'm 16 and I'm like, why am I here with all these old dudes drinking coffee on a Saturday morning? And they just started singing, worshiping, and it was, it was just, God was doing something in my heart and my spirit. That's the same summer that God called me into ministry. I remember going with uh, some guys from our church to Promise Keepers in Washington, D.C. at the big stadium, and there's 40,000 guys all singing Amazing Grace together. And I'm looking around at strangers and people that I knew well and family, and there was just, it was just contagious. Like, my spirit was just joined with other people, and it did something to my heart, my mind, and we get the chance to do that here together. And this summer, uh, I was at Camp Pondo with the students, and I got a chance to experience the week as it went along, and I just saw their hearts opening up to God, opening up to new experiences, opening up to the silly, fun things we were doing, the conversations that we had in the cabins at night, and the last worship set, they're just, it was amazing, it was powerful to see life change happening in their heart, in their mind, and then for them to just call on the name of the Lord, some of them for the very first time. God worked in that worship throughout that week, and I, every time I watch it, I get emotional just thinking about the life change that happens in our lives, in our students' lives. My, two of my boys were there. I got a chance to see my boys worship the Lord. That's ridiculous, and it's contagious. And I want to play just a short clip of part of that last worship set, and we're actually going to follow up in response with the same song, the same song, We Praise You. And as we do, I just encourage you to think about the fact that God's judgment is coming, who needs to know the love of Jesus, and that we are called to worship the God of the universe. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you are worthy of our worship. Um, We know that you are just. We know the judgment is coming. And so, because you are just and holy, we submit ourselves to you and we worship you. We praise you. God, we thank you that your worship, because It's authentic and it's because of you and it's because your spirit is working is contagious. And we pray that we can respond in in every word and in every deed and even right now as we sing in worship to you. In your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website 
at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We have our prayer partners over here. You can check out our missions and outreach wall. You can submit your prayer requests in the back. Uh, We're praying for you this week. Uh, Thanks for being here again. We love you. Let's share the love of Jesus and continue to worship. See you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.